Advanced Principles Podcast, or app, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On app, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. You start with customer experience first and work backwards from there. You're not accelerating it by having to check different KPIs for different rounds of funding and everything else that goes along with that. How transparent is that really? Because you are one of the most passionate, if not the most passionate people about the customer journey and the customer experience. Steve Apicella is the CEO and founder of Strategic DX. They have innovated a technology platform called Your Dealer Experience to fill a massive post-sales dealer-to-customer, customer-to-F&I administrator digital vacancy that's been long overdue in our industry. What kind of a, a in-the-middle-of-the-night moment did you have where you started to see clarity on how it could of, be? A couple of huge influencers. So one is, I'm an Apple fan myself. You brought up Apple, right? I yep. love Apple. Me too. Um, I had it, my first Apple that I got from my mom and dad was in middle school, 1983. Oh, wow. An Apple IIe. Yep. I still own it. Oh, um, wow. And I still have a lot of iterations thereafter that I've kept. It's like a museum of Macintoshes. And My brother-in-law is the exact same way. He's got a little museum of old Macs uh, through the years. And I, each one I learned a lot from, right? Yeah. But it was it was that iPhone in 2006-2007 reveal uh, by Steve Jobs, which was so profound. If you remember the introduction, um, it was, you know, this is an internet communication device. This is a music platform mm -hmm. and it's the phone. Yep. This is an internet communication device. This is a music and this is a phone. Yeah, I'm not explaining three separate products. I'm explaining one solution. Yep. That was the revolution, right? Is to unify these parts. And Steve Jobs was always candid about, hey, we didn't create the music distribution system. We figured out the pain points and we made it better. Yep. Right. And that's, I've always been inspired by that. You know, the Steve Jobism of don't ask customers what they want, deliver something they can't live without is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Because he said, customers don't know what they want. You know, when it doesn't exist, we have, that's part of innovation. Yep. Is we have to figure out what are the pain points and then deliver something they can't live without. I've always been inspired by that. But, you know, the, that time back in 2015, and I'll pay a lot of credit to my wife, uh, who's a partner with me in this, is I couldn't do it without her because the, the risk that we took of investing millions of dollars to solve something that we weren't even sure if anybody would adopt. And certainly my track record would prove to me that it would be difficult to adopt, right? Yep. Because of the slow acceptance of technology in the auto yep. industry. But we did it anyway. And the cool part about self-funding it and the very cool part about having your wife on the journey with you is you can do it the right way. You know, you don't have to race to market. You don't have to put out a beta version and then have it break and, you know, risk relationships. You can create something that is solid 
and, yeah. and ready, ready for market without anybody pressuring you to do You're not that. accelerating it by having to check different KPIs for different rounds of funding and everything else that goes exactly. along with that. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly right. So we were able to do it really responsibly. And to our joy, um, there were leaders, you know, like NAE and Kelly Price that embraced it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been very blessed with that. Now, that's not to say the whole industry wrapped their arms around us immediately. I think, you know, the mark of good innovation, which has happened to us, is it's very polarizing. Either we're the greatest next thing or we're a tremendous threat to the way business is currently done. And that's the yep. way the industry's looked at us um, because of how much this changes the dynamic between the administrator and the dealer and the service drive and the customer. Um, but the thing that has been on this journey of ours that has been the most fun has been every time we solve something, a new opportunity organically opens up. Uh, when we first started doing this, this was to solve the ancillary product problem. And when we did that early on, um, the administrators were like, that's amazing. But we mostly saw mechanical service contract and the same problem exists there. Mm-hmm. So then it was innovating a solution to do digital engagement for a service advisor or authorized center, service center for mechanical. And then Gap was an obvious one. Gap was and is one of the most ugly claim processes for us. Absolutely. Yep. And we figured out the pain points for that to make that much easier to navigate. Yep. Um, and much more successful for everybody involved inside of our platform. But then further than digital claims, again, as this keeps revealing itself, is, you know, we've learned this one at a time, but the summary of it is post-sales digital engagement between a dealer and her customer is almost a complete vacancy, even today, 2021. That, you know, even with the advent of digital retailing, which I think is important Mm -hmm. for the growth of the industry, the, the associated digital experience of digital retailing abruptly ends at or before the vehicle purchase. And the question for you and I and anybody else who's in the industry is, is that where the digital engagement should end or just begin? Yep. And yep. You know, we talked a little bit about before we started the show here is that you know the industry's retention statistics are disgusting. At best. At best. At best, yep. And but what is the value of the reoccurring customer versus the one-time sale? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Amazon is the best benchmark of that, that everybody understands. First of all, anybody who thinks that digital engagement is because the millennials are here or Gen Z is coming is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital engagement today is about anybody with a smartphone in their hand topic, which is every generation. Yep. And Amazon is the best example of that. First of all, Amazon is not just for Gen Z and millennial. Everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. It's not if they use it, but how often they use it. Yep. Yep. And the thing that the auto industry, its support community, and its dealers need to understand clearly is that Amazon's transformative impact and the huge currency that they have today has little to do with their ability to sell something digitally one time, like digital Mm -hmm. retailing. Yep. Uh, It has to do with they solve the customer digital engagement experience before and after the sale that keeps the customer coming back again and again and again and again. 
Yep. So when we digitally abandon a customer at or before the point of sale, what is it that we're telling the customer? We're telling right. them that that's the end of the transaction. Have yep. a nice day. We sold you a car, you bought a car, that's it. Yeah. Um, the truth is there's so much more to gain from that reoccurring customer and, and digital engagement and a customer's experience should not be a footnote or a buzzword. It should be the way we deliver business today. Yeah. So let's go back to that 2015 timeframe when you when you really felt, you know, the auto industry had to at least get up to speed, if not start to advance or, or the overall thought processes. What was the original vision for the platform? Um, you, you know, kind of start there. And then what has continued to drive you? Because you are one of the most passionate, if not the most passionate people about the customer journey and the customer experience. And I think, and I remember, and, and, and I do think that we were originally introduced at NADA in San Francisco when we first saw a, an early version of the platform. Um, and I know it's grown way beyond that and exceeded a lot of people's expectations, including mine, is, is what drove that level of intense passion to keep the dealer connected to the customer, knowing that you're not a dealer and you haven't been a dealer, you've worked with a lot of dealers, you provide a tremendous amount of value to dealer, but that is such a calling for you. And it's so evident in every time we converse and every other presentation I've ever seen you do, where does that come from? You know, I, I don't know if you call it entrepreneurial spirit, but I, you know, I can see because there's so many blueprints of it in other industries, I can see this so clearly. Um, we, we can't, you know, as a, as a community, I, I love the automotive industry. I mm -hmm. love working in it. I love engaging in it. Um, I, I do feel like I'm learning a lot from it back in 2015. I'll tell you, I had one experience that I put off for a long time and it ends up being a very, very great experience for me is I took seven weeks, um, over a summer consecutive weeks and implanted myself in dealerships across the country, seven different dealer groups. Wow. And in a finance office sold to the customer as a finance manager in training and on the service drive sold to the customer as a service advisor in training. Okay. And when I approached the dealer principals to do this, like, hey, I just want to sit here and see the real world. How does this really work? Um, a, the, the dealer principals loved it. They're like, hey, by the way, when you're done with this, can you please come back and tell me what you saw? Yeah, what right. You learned and, what, and they loved the fact that I was willing to invest my time to do it. Because a lot of times solutions are built in boardrooms. You mm -hmm. know? And somebody thinks they're the smart guy or smart gal. And you know, rather than get in there and really see what, what's going it, on. It's, it's the well-known ivory tower. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sitting, exactly. sitting above the fray and making decisions that affect the everyday. And you know, I'm the first guy to say that you know I don't claim to know everything, but I can certainly experience it and mm -hmm. get the direct feedback. And a couple of things became really apparent to me is that building a solution for one provider wasn't looking at it through the lens of the dealer or customer because every single dealership has more than one F&I provider, mm -hmm. every single one. And yep. even if a third-party administrator, a single third-party administrator creates an app or an online claim form, technically that's just digitizing the problem because the dealer still has to navigate through their other administrators and the customer has to do the same thing too. 
So it's, you know, it, it's, and I think it's one of the things I think a lot of people that are much smarter than me would say is that, you know, you have to look through the lens of others to really create the best solution. So mm -hmm. my time in the field with agents and third-party administrators and dealers and really immersing myself in that has helped create the solution. But I think clarity of the vision to answer your question, like I can see it a million miles away. Other industries have already done this, like property and casualty. It's called InsureTech. Mm -hmm. It's completely transformed. It's already happened. It's got its own name, right? Yeah, it's, got, yeah. it's already happened. But the auto industry could benefit from the same thing, but it is a vacancy today. Today, other than conventional thinking or a third-party administrator thinking that they can do it on their own, which again, I would argue that that becomes part of the problem, not part of the solution, we don't have a competitor other than those two things. Yeah. But I would argue that digital engagement and the customer experience are not the, the bottom priorities of the industry. They should be the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really stuck out to me early and, and was kind of a the cold water in the face moment for me when I woke up and realized where we were and where we needed to go as an industry was when you showed an example, I'll leave the company's name out of it, of their online claims I know what you're talking you about. You know what I'm talking about. So, so why don't you just briefly describe that online claim journey that that company was promoting and advertising? What was step number one? Yeah. And again, without, you know, uh, tearing anybody down, it was, you know, online engagement was um, provide a copy of your warranty, go out and get your own estimates. And when you've correlated those, um, fax them to us and somebody will call you. Right. <laughs> that was the digital engagement platform. Yeah. You know, it's something that, again, I feel profoundly about. And this is driven by my service background. If you can't service it, you shouldn't be selling it. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the FNI industry doesn't think that way. Yeah. Um, but I think that way. Um, and so, service from FNI products should be a core component of what differentiates one from another and not be treated as a necessary evil. It's a contractual promise. Mm -hmm. yep. And how we deliver service should determine our ability to sell that service. Yep. And I feel I'm very, very passionate about that because you know the auto industry that I do love, and I know that you love too, um, has a bad reputation overwhelmingly customers don't like the current car buying process and overwhelmingly customers that do buy cars don't come back. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's what the auto industry has earned. Mm -hmm. And, yep. you know, there, there's so many other people that share this vision of there is a better place, but what we can't do is crawl to it. We have to embrace it. And I don't think, you know, I'll say this too, just while I'm given the opportunity, I'm not one that thinks that digital engagement is the end all of everything. Yeah. Um, it's a solution to remove the analog pain points to make the personal interaction better. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and that's the part where we don't need to, with the greatest amount of respect with retention tools that are out there that force people to come back. There's so much more value in inspiring people to do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And um, just connecting with them. You know, the I heard, you know, when I watched that that first brilliant podcast with you and Kelly Price, which I really loved, 
and she used the term, you know, the field of dreams, when they build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. um, dealers are not uncertain about what your dealer experience, our technology platform represents and the power of it. In way less time than you and I have spent, Ryan, right here, dealers are like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yep. Um, agents, for the most part, aren't contemplating the topic. Um, this is something that's way, way overdue, but it is challenging for some third-party administrators because it's such a departure for how these third-party administrator companies were built. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be there was one day where, you know, whoever had the most number of employees and the biggest building was the best administrator. Mm -hmm. right? That was the, the symbolic, you know, we're the big, and, and I think that's a, representation of operational inefficiency today. Yep. I have a completely different opinion about it. Um, you'll see some administrators on their website that proudly disclaim, we take 70,000 calls a month. Is that really an attribute of distinction or an attribute of operational inefficiency? Right. Right. Yep. And even the current methods, when I say this out loud, and even people like you have been in the industry for a long time, and you hear it is sobering that, you know, the the primary mechanism to engage in today's service contracts and warranties in 2021, forget about that bad example that we sent of online. Today's example is mostly a 1-800 number, a phone queue, call hold wait times, and manual claim processing. Yep. Is that in any definition best in class service today? Yeah, no. no. You know, no, and, I, and I, tell, I think I never tell an administrator, turn off your 1-800 number. That'll never happen. If somebody wants to pick up the call, of the phone and call, that's fine. Yep. I'm okay with that. But should a customer have organic access to all their purchase service contracts and warranties, even through multiple administrators in one view on their smartphone in 2021? Like, are we still contemplating this topic? Right, right. Um, or should a customer be able to buy a service contract and warranty that was missed at the point of sale, after the point of sale in the same application? Right or engage in a rewards program or dealer messaging or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. And that goes back to the Apple topic is one of the falsehoods that people believe with digital engagement is that the customer is gonna adopt five different things. They won't. If the customer is gonna adopt a successful digital engagement platform with their dealer, it's gonna be no more than one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anything more than one is digital abandonment. Yep. Um, they won't do it. So, yep. you know, adoption, uh, user experience, and then always leading, you know, Ryan, one thing that I think is a, a really good question that I love talking about is, you know, what's our purpose? What are we trying to do? And at the end of the day, we're trying to help you and the third-party administrators that are like-minded to provide a better customer experience that leads to selling more service contracts and creates unprecedented stickiness in the relationship. Yep. That's what we're doing, right? This yeah. is just a relevant way to do it. Yep. Um, and you know, that's what that's what drives us today. But since 2015, the evolution has been what claims do we support in the FNI segment? Today we support everything. The next evolution was having multiple administrators, more than one. It could be five, it could be 10, it could be two in one dealer branded application. And then beyond that, through our interactions with dealers, it led to digital engagement 
beyond F&I between the dealer and their customer. Mm-hmm. Because right now the dealer's mechanism primarily is phone solicitation, junk mail, whether that's postal or email or random text messages. Yep. And that doesn't connect to today's customer. So when we yep. wonder why the retention rates are so bad, it's not if the dealer desires to connect with their customer, it's how they're connecting to their customer that makes that relationship stickiness or not. Yeah. Um, I think one thing where where we are in the world today, certainly from my experience, that has changed. So I got into retail in 1995. And I think back then, people were able to isolate their individual experience with what they were doing. And I'm, I'm originally from Minnesota. So all the Dayton Hudson, you know, know, I know it well, is when I went to Dayton Hudson, or I went to Target, that was my experience. And I was comparing my Target experience to maybe another Target experience, or another retail sales, clothing or material goods experience. And then I would go and by the way, similar to Kelly's podcast, it is the be our guest Disney philosophy. Yeah, Um, right. That's what I went through the training too. And it's what those companies deployed that you start with customer experience first and work backwards from there. Yep. And there's so much power in that, that even when the target executives would visit their locations, if the most basic things weren't happening, like greeting and are all the lights on properly and is the store organized well, forget about everything else, they would walk out the door. Yeah. If, if that experience wasn't right, yep. um, they wouldn't even engage the store at any level about their financials or about Nothing. all the other great things they're doing. It didn't matter to them. So, But that's the point of customer experience. Is that a buzzword or is that a culture? Yeah. And there's, it's profoundly different. You know, in your presentation or your company's presentation or the industry's presentation, is that the highest priority or is that a footnote that we like to talk about every once in a while? You yeah. brought up on a previous podcast about transparency. Mm-hmm. It's another topic that is a buzzword. Yep. You know, are we really being transparent? You know, and I love talking about this with F&I. How many customers have enough time to read a service contract or warranty in the F&I menu presentation? Yeah, no, None, read right? the entire contract? No, no. zero. How many yep. customers read the service contract or warranty after the presentation? Very few. Almost none. Mm-hmm. So how transparent is that really? Mm-hmm. Right? So yep. it's even like in our application, a customer can see what they bought. They can see the definition of it. Yep. And what's included and excluded on their smartphone. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the customer doesn't make a bad customer. It, it right, a generally a better customer. customer. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. And I think one thing that I, I really like about the experience that, that you're on this mission of, and you're on this crusade, as you say, is that the shopping experience or the lifestyle experience that people created, you know, back in the day was, was really treated as one-off. So I'm going to buy a car and I'm going to compare my car buying experience to previous or other car buying experiences where now they're comparing buying a vehicle and interacting through an app or not an app with going to the Apple store, with going to Amazon, with downloading a movie from Netflix, where it's this lifestyle comparison and people are no longer separating these different interactions. So the dealer's customer experience, if you will, buzzwordy as it is, is now being compared to the apples of the world, which I think is a world-class customer experience, Amazon, world-class experience. And then all of a sudden, like you said, 
you know, the, the digital retailing, some dealers still think that that means that they're advertising their cars online. Whereas, you know, customers truly want to live in this life cycle and uh, have that tremendous experience because that's what they're experiencing in every other aspect of their life. They'll make their vote. You know, again, we can't lean on customers need cars. So even if the experience is bad, they're still going to buy. Mm -hmm. um, they have choice on where they go. Yep. And this is what's happening in our industry right now that a lot of people are talking about is like the 100% online retailer and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. A minute ago, the brick and mortar dealer would say, well, you know, nobody's going to buy a car for that much money without test driving it. Well, the online retailers now, many of them allow that car to be delivered to your house. You drive it for a week and if you don't like it, we'll pick it up. Yep. And what their pitch today is don't write, drive the car around the block for the test drive, drive it in your real life experience. Yep. Take your kids to school, go to the grocery store, see if it really works for you. And I don't think that the brick and mortar dealers that we serve, and that, again, that I love, have to be scared of that. They have to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And that customers will make their choices based upon the experience that's associated to it. It's remarkable when you talk about Amazon, um, Amazon's not the cheapest source for products anymore. No. Mm -mm. People still go back there again and again and again because of the experience, they don't even think about it, right? It's not because yep. it was cheap, it's because I enjoyed the experience, I know what to expect. Yep. Well, for the brick and mortar dealer, the very essence that separates them from the 100% online retailer is their unique ability to also locally service that customer mm -hmm. where this, you know, the hundred percent online retailers for now are just selling cars. Yep. So yep. this is something that the brick and mortar dealers should be leveraging to its fullest is that we're not just trying to sell you a car. We're trying to be a part of your ownership experience. And that's so more than just selling you a car. Yeah. Yeah. And with the, you know, the, the continued growth of, of digital retailing and more and more consumers never entering the brick and mortar location to either test drive, sign off on, or take delivery of, how are you educating dealers to remain engaged with a customer they've never met other than through emails and digital uh, uh, signatures? Well, you know, that digital customer, you know, how do you stay sticky with them? You don't start making phone solicitations with them. That's not going to work. Right. So, you know, what we have in our platform is something called dealer messaging, which transcends all of that. This is probably fraudulent communication in phone solicitation, junk mail, or random text messages. And I'll clarify that too, because a lot of people think because we text message now that there's platforms out there to do that, that that solves the problem. It doesn't. It's just another version of the problem because... Unless the customer's got the dealer's information in their address book on the phone, it's random. Mm -hmm. And most of these text messaging platforms push a message out that ends up on the customer's phone from phone number 23-09. Yep. So no different than a phone solicitation or junk mail. Are you clicking on those links? No, nobody. No, is not at all. It looks fraudulent. And right. we're worried we're being conditioned as a society that that's probably fraud and they're gonna steal everything on your computer if you click that link. Yep. With our platform, we do push notification. Now, not everybody understands what that is, but you interact with it constantly. 
Okay. So a push notification is like I missed a phone call and you get the banner up there, missed call, and then you can mm -hmm. click on it and call the customer back, or I missed a text message. Or if you happen to be have the ESPN app on your phone, you get sports scores or whatever the case may be. Well, with ours, the push notification comes over identifying the dealer's name and their message to the consumer. When you click on that, it takes you into the same app where you can see all your service contracts and warranties, purchase additional service contracts and warranties, engage with a rewards program, and see a stylized message from the dealership with links that leads you to where the dealer wants that interaction to occur mm -hmm. back at the dealer. So whether that's the service drive scheduler or whatever it may be. But the thing I train dealers on is what should be the first message, digital sale or analog, after the point of sale to from a dealer to their consumer? I believe it should be, thanks for buying a car from us. Absolutely. Welcome to the family. We're looking forward to being on this journey with you. Yep. To put a clear stake in the ground that selling you a car wasn't the end of the journey for us, it's just the beginning. Yep. The next message could be, this is something that's talked about a lot, like how much stuff is crammed into the car buying process right now? Oh, the so customers much. are so fatigued yep. that the biggest comment is shorten that up, right? Yep. So, you know, you hear people about, you know, talking about introducing the customer to the service drive, which is a, a good best practice. Like, let them know we have a service drive and who the people are. But trying to do that in the context of selling a car is difficult. Mm -hmm. I think the second message should be uh, a, a push notification with a video from the service director that welcomes the customer to the family and shares with them how that dealer can uniquely support them better than anybody on their ownership journey. Yeah. The first two messages, I wasn't selling anything. Yeah, right. Inspiring and clarifying that we don't want this relationship to end. Yep. And here's the benefit to you, right? Yep. So now, of course, they can send messages out about service drive specials or about community events sponsored by the dealer where the dealer wants to invite the customer to join them at that event or whatever it is that they want to communicate. But the point is... You know, I always put this in the context of real life because personal relationships are just like business relationships. The same criteria exists in both. Mm -hmm. Stop communicating to your spouse or business partner in a way that they don't receive. And what happens, Ryan? The relationship's over. Absolutely. And very fast. Yep. Um, I don't suggest trying it, but <laughs> again, you know, it, it, it's very fast. Yep. Well, the same is true with the consumer. If you start spamming somebody after the point of sale with phone solicitations and junk mail and random text messages, you're going to turn them off so fast. Mm -hmm. It does not work. Yep. So we yeah. have to communicate in a way that today's customer appreciates. Yeah. You know, inspire me, educate me, give me the details, let me make the decision and I will make my vote. Yep. Stop trying to sell me. Hey, everybody. This is Michael from ADS. The passion Steve has for what he does is glaring. We have our first three-part episode next week with Steve, where everything we have learned these past two weeks culminates into one last part. For all the latest episodes, you can find App on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and our website. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.